Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the DFS Army Fantasy Football Show. It's been a f one month, but we had to get the man back on the show. You guys know him as Uncle Says. I know him as Season Long Says. The world knows him as Alan Seslowski of Rotowire. Al, it's crunch time. We had to bring in the big guns. Welcome back to the program. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Uh, the, that slacker, Brandon Adam, man, says, hey, let's do a podcast together. You, me, and Shane. Uh -huh. I get excited, and then he no shows. That 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 slacker. Uh, that's all right. We'll we'll shame him publicly. It's no big deal. Well, I mean, you literally just shamed him publicly. This is a public program. <laughs> this isn't just this this just this doesn't isn't just us in the basement shaming yeah. Brandon D. Adam on Twitter. But that's yeah, right. man. So of course, uh, you can find all of Alan's content over at rotowire.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Alan Sozlowski. You could hear him on the SiriusXM airwaves pretty much non-stop like you did double duty the other day you're you're going hard right now but you know tis the season i suppose yeah 9 a.m every sunday uh in season on channel 87 hey how many by the way how many drafts do you have left to do um as we get uh, head into labor day weekend here i'm done man that's it the drafts are behind me i'm ready for the season and uh that's kind of what we want to talk about here so the first football game is this Thursday. Of course, it's the defending champs, the Rams going against the Buffalo Bills, who a lot of, quote, experts, including Vegas, have the Bills as a favorite to uh, to win, win it all next year. But we wanted to provide some last-minute fantasy football advice for drafters, if you're still drafting, or for those of you like myself who have finished all the drafts and they're looking forward to the season. Because, Al, I mean, here's the thing. Every single year, this fantasy football game continues to grow. And I mean, you and I are, we're in the weeds, man. Like we're just degenerates and we know things that seem pretty obvious might not be obvious to the average player nowadays. So we're going to do a bit of a program here where we're going to go through some of the last minute tips of the trade from one very experienced man. I, I mean, you're, you're effectively like a degenerate at this point, right? Al, like you, you own For it. First of all, I take exception with you saying that we are that you with your elitist attitude that you're so in the weed chain, you know, so much more than the average player. In fact, I will say that the average player knows more than the average player did 10 years ago. You could just walk into a draft now, never have studied because of best ball that starts now in February, meaning mm -hmm. paid drafts, people actually putting money in and drafting teams from February until now. Till the you know till Labor Day weekend, that the ADP is so tight right now that your average player that knows almost nothing about fantasy football can have a good draft. So, the last minute fantasy football draft advice that we give today has to be a little bit like how can we exploit those edges when everyone has the same information as us when we come to the draft table? I think that's really the the puzzle that we need to put together today. Well, I think it was on one of your shows recently, Al. Like you said something very accurate. It's a sense that. And we talk about it in this program. It's about your roster construction. But I, I believe you specifically said it's about how you attack the quarterback position and the tight end position. Like, really, when you decide to draft those types of positions is going to define your entire team. So let, let's get at it. I mean, let, let's talk about specifically draft strategy here. So you're walking in the draft. There's lots of strategies out there. There's the zero RB zealots. Um, and look past few years it's actually been a successful strategy because all the elite players have been getting hurt there's the robust rb strategy which is just hammer rbs early because of the position scarcity and then there's more of a bit of a hybrid model 
Some people call it the hero RB strategy. Some people call it the anchor RB strategy. Generally speaking, Al, because you've done a number of drafts this year, what approach, more often than not, have you taken when drafting that somebody going into the draft this weekend can implement? Yeah, one of the most common questions that we often get is, how should I start my draft, right? I'm sure you get that too. Should I start wide receiver, wide receiver, RB, RB, one of each? And, you know, that's obviously an impossible question to answer because if you're picking, let's say, let's give a, a illustrate an example. If you're picking at the third pick overall, if Jonathan Taylor falls to you, and that actually happened to me the other day in a draft, it doesn't happen often, then you're going to start with a running back, right? If if Taylor and your favorite and your second favorite running back, so let's say a lot of people like Christian McCaffrey is their one or their two, then it probably is a very sound strategy to start with wide receiver. I now, if you're just talking about as general strategy, I think it's really uh, it's comfortable. Let's call it it's comfortable to come out of your draft first two rounds with one of each that you feel good about, not forcing the mm -hmm. position because then you could choose your own adventure, right? You could choose which way you want to go. Whereas if you start wide receiver, wide receiver, you're going to be hunting for running back and possibly passing on a value. So to answer your question directly, try to get one of each, but be prepared and have a plan. That's the thing. Have a plan if it goes the opposite way you thought. So if you thought, okay, I'm picking at the end of my draft, I'm going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, and the best player on your board is Saquon Barkley, and then it comes back around and say it's DeAndre Swift, you need a wide you need a plan for wide receiver. So mm. have it mapped out ahead of time for the first three or four rounds, and then obviously you have to take what the board gives you. So, so basically you're kind of saying it's like, okay, it's, it's like in the NFL where a coach might have 15 scripted plays to start, and then That's they adjust example. based on what the defense is giving them. It's, it's kind of the same idea here. And um, you and I were it's a good analogy, we're, good analogy right there. Yeah. I mean, you and I were, were on Twitter uh, just this morning, yesterday, and, and somebody was asking, OK, I'm at the turn. What do you guys suggest? Do I go RB, RB? And I mean, very simply, you said I like to do get one of both. And, right. and why not? Because that does create flexibility. Now, if you are like us and have literally been doing drafts since February, by, you by the way, I just want to circle yeah. back to that that tweet because that's an important point there. I, I did. You said RBRB. I said at least one running back. Right. So yes. I'm okay doing two running backs there, but I wouldn't want to go wide receiver, wide receiver in a ten team league on the ten spot. That that was what I said. So okay. if you're in a ten team league and you have the tenth pick, I would say at least one running back is the right way to go. So then I got to follow up with that. Why? Why are you making because that? Because in a 10-team – so we all know that wide receiver depth in round three through six is incredible uh, when you talk about wide receivers of confidence. And in a 10-team league, it's even more incredible, right? So the running back depth is what drives it. And when I say the running back depth, I don't mean like you know getting Rashad Penny at a, a great value later on. I'm talking about the top 12 running backs will be off the board by the time you pick again in the third round, possibly, you know, depending on where you have James Conner. So if – because the wide receiver depth in a 10-team league is even better than it is in a 12-team league, I would want to go for the more scarce positions there, And which, by the way, makes a great case for going early. Your original point was, how do you play tight end? There is a case for going tight end early in a 10-team league because the running back depth is greater also. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really sharp point. I mean, the whole idea with taking a tight end early, and typically I don't do that in larger leagues, but when you're in a 10-person league, a lot of the times, I mean, you look at the waiver wire and you can get a startable wide receiver 
Yeah. Uh, running backs are sometimes tougher, but you can get one of those starting running back or wide receivers later, and you can you can rock that waiver wire. But when you have one of those elite tight end positions, it really does help differentiate you in those onesie positions because the player pool at the end of drafts is just so much stronger at those other positions. Here you go, Shane. Ready? Here's I'm going to illustrate your example. You just made the the I think the most the best takeaway point we have here. This is the waiver wire. I just did a ten team league, which I don't like doing, by the way. And if this, if this league remains ten, I'm not doing it next year. Um, here's the here's the wide receivers that are on waivers after a ten team league. Pretty deep league is complete. Mm -hmm. Jacoby Myers, DJ Shark, MVS, Russell Gage, Kenny Galladay. These are all players that I would not only want to roster in a twelve, I might start them in a twelve. Yeah. Well, and you know what? That's maybe the best piece of advice. If it's, it might be too late for this season, but for these 10 team leagues, go out and get extra starting positions. There it I mean, is. Personally, it, if you're not playing at Superflex in a 10 person league, I don't know what you're doing. Like I that, would even argue two QB in a, in a 10 person, not even Superflex. I would say, hey, mandatory. I mean, your point is the is the real one is like, hey, more quarterbacks starting. Yeah. But yeah. And this is going to make the league more fun. I mean, the bottom line is, to your point, Al, like ADPs are so sharp. It's pretty much roll the dice. You walk in, you auto draft your players. And then honestly, there's a lot of luck that gets involved. Who gets who gets the injuries versus the deeper your your bench, the deeper your starting players, the more the skill aspect actually comes into play. So I think that's really sharp. I mean, just in, in general, it, it's important to have fun with the league. Right. But let's uh, let's get into some of these questions, Al. Yep. Um, OK, so. We've been doing this for a while, <clears throat> and we've been following all the beat reporters. We've been following our friends at Roster Watch who are doing their tours. We're following your some of your uh, colleagues at at, um, at SiriusXM who are doing the camp oh, yeah. tours and Rotowire, of course. Yeah. And we have all this information, okay? But we probably have at this stage of the of the game all the information we're going to glean from the off season. So, are there any player takeaways at the start of the season that you had that kind of felt silly now or have come home to roost. Yeah. I mean, the, the funny thing is like, we want to victory lap or, you know, say, ah, oh, that was a bad take already. Meanwhile, we haven't even seen the answers for the test yet. Week one. Yeah. Right. And yeah. even week one, those aren't the answers for the test. If Sammy Watkins has six for 60 and a touchdown week one, are you really thinking that, oh my God, I should have drafted Sammy Watkins. You're like, no, this is what Sammy Watkins does week one. So it's hard to say if we were right or wrong yet. The NFL is such a small sample size league in general that, you know, it's really by week two or three, sometimes even four, that we don't have the answer. So I guess really what we're looking for is the players that we liked. Did we actually draft them when we were on the clock? Battle test our rankings, right? So mm -hmm. if you were for here's a place where you could say that maybe you're right. Let's, you know, Damian Pierce is a hot player that gets talked about a lot. If you were drafting Damian Pierce in his double-digit round ADP, and now you see he's going in the sixth, fifth, fourth round, sure, you know, that was a good pick. You were right to to say that, hey, this player could ascend. You know, I it's but you know, I've been very vocal about that. I think that Zeke Elliott is being drafted below his floor. Mm -hmm. Not that he's a week winning, uh, a, like a league winning pick, but he's being drafted below his floor. Let's see. Let's see what happens when the games start. Yeah. If you dra if you're drafting Javante Williams in the top 15, top 20 picks, because you think he is the next Jonathan Taylor. Let's see what happens. Let's see if he has 70%. Like we could say, we think we know, but we don't know at this point until the big reveal. So I guess that really, I'm going to throw the question back to you. What do you think 
what, sorry, not that we think, what is the biggest reveal of week one that you're most looking forward to seeing? You're asking me that question? That's the question I'm asking. Man, to be honest with you, it's it's a few of these. Well, Green Bay is a great example. It's where the quarterback is an elite quarterback, but the wide receiver core or even just the pass catchers around him are somewhat suspect. Okay, so it's what is the target share is going to look like in Green Bay? Is Alan Lazard, who's the top or receiver anyways obviously the the running backs are being drafted early but is alan lazard actually going to be the one or maybe sammy watkins is a guy um you get that information we get sammy goes six for 60 and a touchdown is he going to be your hot waiver wire ad that week how is the kansas city wide receiver course going to break down you i would say you were you were kind of pro juju smith schuster like not as necessarily one but we liked his talent i'm I'm on board with that as well i think juju smith schuster is a good wide receiver but is it going to go to all travis kelsey is mvs going to get a few little takes in there like understanding how those are the big those are the big reveals that you're looking for to see the distribution of targets in those in those high-powered offenses it really is and then of course there's your guys right like for me it's elijah moore How's Elijah Moore going to look week one with Joe Flacco? Is Flacco going to target the hell of him? Rashad Bateman. I mean, Elijah Moore, we saw it. With with Bateman, we haven't even really seen it in the NFL. And man, like, you know, just just even today, scrolling through Twitter, like somebody put out uh, a tweet about Jalen Rager and, and you know, they showed um, just how elite he was at TCU when he was in college. And somebody, the take was, well, the Eagles weren't using him properly. Now that he's in Minnesota, he's going to be played. Well, Maybe he is what he is, right? Maybe he's not going to be elite. So there's, I mean, there's just so many damn storylines that we've that we've gone through. That, but at the end of the day, you want to see how Zeke Elliott gets used. It's these players well, I, that we've been talking about and had strong takes on. Like that's what we yeah, want to see as yeah. analysts, right? Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't think it's going to be shocking to me. I mean, Zeke Elliott's going to get 18 to 25 touches in Week One. It's I get it's, and he's going to have 14 to 18 fantasy points. I mean. That's yeah. not and people. Oh, that's not great. No, that's what he is at this point. He's he's fourteen, fifteen, locked in fantasy points. He's he's running back Keenan Allen. That's what he is. Yeah. He's a boring pick that's being drafted below his floor. That you know, and for Zeke Elliott, it's that he just doesn't get hurt so far in his career. He's an Iron Man. So it's I'm not I'm not like worried about his real like the reveals that I'm most looking forward to see. Like when the curtain goes up and the and the live bullets, proverbial bullets start flying. I want to see if Gabe Davis and Amon Ross St. Brown are the players yeah. that we think they're going to be uh, productive round four players. I want to see if Darnell Mooney gets 12 targets in week one. These are the things that I'm actually looking forward to seeing. I don't know the Zeke Elliott thing to me, even though I've been vocal about it, it's it it's vanilla ice cream. You know, it's, I know what yeah. it's going to be. I know what to expect when I take yeah. a vanilla ice cream cone, and I put it to my mouth. I know what it's going to taste like these other ones. These have like, pop potential or are they going to be wrong and there's going to be a lot of victory lapping Damian Pierce's workload in week one I want to see what that looks like yeah yeah well okay so Al what is your approach to setting your roster um like are you going to be setting so so say week one okay we're officially we're we're in roster setting mode okay you've drafted it's a standard league you've got three wide receivers how do you approach it when your say wide receiver two has one of the bottom matchups, like the 30th ranked matchup, but your wide receiver five 
has like this juicy top three matchup. Like, how do you approach setting your roster that initial week? Like, how, do you take into account that software matchup? Yeah, this no, not at all. I don't even look at it. I don't. I think it's. Uh, it, I know some people love to look at matchups. I do not. It, it because what we think the matchups are good. Right? Just draft the put the best skilled players that are in the best position with their quarterback that are scheduled mm -hmm. for targets or projected for targets week one. Do that week two. Then we get a little sample by the first month of the season, which teams are good, which teams are bad. Then you could start saying, oh, this team doesn't give up any points to the tight end. You're never going to bench an elite tight end, but maybe if you went if you played the weight on tight end game and you have David and Joku and Austin Hooper, then you'll start playing the matchups. But week one, just just put your best guys in unless there's an obvious you know a, a situation. You know, I was suggesting we were talking about Zeke a million times, and he has a quote bad matchup against the Tampa uh, Tampa Bay run defense. I'm playing Zeke. I'm not playing, you know, Devin Singletary over him uh, if I have them, you know, and and so on and so forth. So I'm not I'm ignoring matchup in week one for sure. Do you do like a team death chart type thing? Like I, that's what I like to do. Like I, You know, you draft your say wide receivers, right? And you've got five or six wide receivers. Will you pre rank them just for your own bench so that when it push comes to shove and it's a close decision? that you'll say, okay, I'm going to choose this person because I believe it's a better talent or in a better situation. Or like, how do you approach that? Or is it pretty fluid on a week to week basis? Well, things are going to change, right? I mean, mm -hmm. look last year, you drafted Cooper cup in the fifth round or fourth round. He was your wide receiver two or three. It was pretty evident that you should move him up your fantasy football depth chart by week two, right? You were like, week mm -hmm. one, oh, this is good. I got a good performance. Week two, oh, again, uh, we did a uh, redrafting the players video last year after yep. week two, and I I took Cooper Cup in the first round, and obviously, you know, people, well, Cooper Cup in the first round, right? I could have been wrong, but I happen to be right. So yeah, I, I would say I don't actually put that. What you just said is a really good exercise to do if you want to map it out. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately the volume of leagues I'm in, that would be crazy to do. Uh, I'm in so too many leagues at this point where it's, it's bad for my health, but <laughs> yes, I would say that I have in my mind, when I look at each team, I probably rank the players, you know, based yeah. on how I drafted and yeah, I'm going to put the best player that I believe, uh, can get me the most fantasy points. I mean, that's, um, you know, definitely what you should be doing. I like your, that you spelt it out though, as a process. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, the, the advice Alice Leslie just gave is play player that's going to give you the most fantasy points that's i mean that's just perfect advice you, right. you can't I mean, be wrong with that advice I, ranking the players right is that's what you're trying to do which player is the I'm best just, i mean I'm just busting balls which, yeah yeah I, I think though for the average fantasy football player i mean they might have two or three leagues right that that, that they're in, in which case then yeah i mean you're a status though al what can i say mm. okay so <laughs> this is this is Jeff saying, great point, Alec. Ignore the matchups, too, unless I know it's Jalen Ramsey or such. What about that one, right, where you know it's going to be man coverage and it's going to be an elite corner against your elite wide receiver? Like, play it's studs, to me, right? Yeah, I mean, if I have Devontae, again, I don't know who. Uh, the Rams are playing who week one. You said it's, um, who, it's, it's the Bills. Right. Yeah, it's a, I'm not benching Stefan Diggs. You know, I'm just hell not. No. I, hell yeah, no. so it, Jeff's point is, is, like, I get it, but I am still. I am still, still, still playing my elite players because, yeah, that's that's bad for Jalen Ramsey. That's not bad for my guy, of course. You know, I want the lesser guy on him. So, yeah, I'm not in week one, week two. I'm I'm not paying attention to matchups. It's adding a layer of complexity. And if you do that and it works for you, sure. I just that you ask my process. I'm not doing it.
No, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's pivot for a sec. I want to ask you a personal question, an Alan Sislowski question. Okay. So you've been in the industry for a few years now. Is there anything that surprises you or has surprised you based on your initial expectations or impressions of what you thought it was going to be to be a professional analyst? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we're going there. All right. No, I, I, there, baby. I, <laughs> I like the question. Yeah. I think like in any like business or industry or something you want to do that you're passionate about, you'll be, there's so many people that say they want to do it and then they actually it's execution. So it's just, it's, mm -hmm. this is goes, this is advice for any industry that you want to get into, but definitely for fantasy football, because at the beginning, no one's able to do it full time. You're supposed, you start with, you have like your normal job and then you're doing fantasy on the side and then you try to make it a career. I would say showing up when you don't want to, when it becomes a grind, because most people won't show up on day seven, right? They'll come on day one, they'll come on day two. And you know, day seven is just the proverbial yeah. for down the road on week seven, month seven. So showing up and doing good work when you, when you just don't feel like it, eliminates like 95% of the competition and you can be okay. You don't have to be great. You could just show up and do consistent, you know, with a baseline of quality work. And that is true for any industry, but more specifically, I see it here. So many people say they want to do, but when the actual things come up and the time of the day isn't great for you or the mm -hmm. number it interferes with this and this and this, that's the difference maker from my viewpoint in the short time I've been doing this. Well, say somebody they're passionate about fantasy sports and they want to get into it. Like, is there any suggestions you have for people to kind of get to the next level? Like how did, how, and, and I know the answer to this, but for the people, how did you differentiate yourself to the point where roster watch seeks you out? Obviously Rotowire seeks you out. How, how did you, what did you do? Yeah. If you want to get into any, first of all, you have to love it, right? I mean, we all love fantasy football. I mean, no, no question there. But when I say love it, I mean like really love it. Just consume so much uh, content, good content, content that you, you know, just see what's out there, see what's popping. Right. And then have in my eyes is learn skills to be able to do it all. Like I always liken um, worker uh, producers and, and content creators in fantasy football to like a submarine in a submarine. The guy who flips the eggs, who cooks the eggs knows how to fire the missiles, right? I mean, you need to know how to do every single job. The more mm -hmm. skills and jobs you can do to make the process easier. And when I say that, it's like, you know, there's a lot of good content creators out there, great content creators that that's all they could do. And, Great. But if you could do that, if you can cut video, if you can uh, learn all the back end stuff, how to upload podcasts and make graphic art and and understand how to interact with people and book guests. And, you know, so the more skills you can accumulate that I think that that makes you more marketable in any job. And specifically, that's how I was able to get my foot in the door, which is produce a lot of free passionate content that somebody you know hopefully resonated with and just look to get better every day be proactive in in wanting to get better and ask and be curious ask a lot of questions yeah i mean i, I i've said this to you before but i think what really differentiates you versus a lot of the competition is just your video editing skills like people love to consume content in different ways now and actually you and you and bob harris had a very interesting conversation about this on your show just yesterday uh wrote a wire podcast you can find it in any anywhere you consume podcasts. Um, and that's what I think really differentiates you. But even, you know, years ago, I remember you used to call into the Rotowire show on Sirius XM and with Chris Liss, and you would talk about, okay, these are my top 10 favorite moments from this last season. 
of Rotowire. Like, you know, little things like that really will differentiate you because I, I still remember, I still remember the first time you were on the show and Chris, before he had you gone, he's like, listen, I've never really spoken to Alan. We didn't really go through this. <laughs> we turf. don't know what to expect. So if this goes off the rails, <laughs> just bear with us. And, yep. and then of course you come on and you're a total freaking pro, man. Like yep. that's what's going to differentiate you. And, and Clip, listen, 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 listen. Okay. Hopefully it's not too much of a grind to yep. listen to us every morning. And here, and here's the other thing. Don't, and um, I'm, I'm going to say two more quick things I think are important mm -hmm. in any industry and specifically in content creation and fantasy football is one, don't waste anyone's time, right? Like yes. we, you know, I always make the joke, like weather talk, right? Like we don't care how the weather is. Oh, it's a nice day here today. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going this. Just get, get, don't bore us. Get to the chorus, right? Get to the, the, the parts that everyone likes to sing along with. Yeah. You could, if you have, you know, once you've built credibility, I think that you can express your personality a little bit more, but I, you know, I don't feel like I, I'm in that luxury bracket yet where i could have a whole conversation and then yeah. let's just get let's get to it don't waste anyone's time and then maybe at the end you take something on and that's just my opinion the other thing that i think is important and actually i'm going to credit you shane is you need mm -hmm. encouragement from the right people at the right time i will never forget yeah. when i was still working a, a normal traditional job and actually it was you that called me up and said hey man you can do this and i was like you know you always hear oh yeah you could but no you actually you got through to me and you said you mm -hmm. you gave me the courage to submit my application to at the time. What was Jeff Ratcliffe's business called? Where was he at the time? Uh, he was the PFF, I thought. Right. Time, so it? that was what it was. So I submitted an application, which you saw a job listing for. Mm -hmm. And it in that in the in the so I you gave me the courage to do it. I submitted it. I don't even think the resume got looked at, but in that in that process that's when byron and alex saw the resume they somehow and they said hey come work with us at roster watch you know yeah. we'd like what you're doing so yes i think encouragement from the right people at the right time is the necessary water on the soil that you need to really sprout up yeah shoot i mean between let's listen jeff i i ain't got very many i got no follicles under here either so it's it between jim the geek alan it could definitely be the bald calls fantasy yeah. football podcast on a regular basis Let, let's get back to some fantasy football advice here al because right. that's what the people really came for this is really important okay so more and more leagues are starting to draw adopt the fab free agent auction bidding is what it stands for fab dollars yep. in their yep. fantasy football leagues okay versus a traditional waiver wire approach how do you alan Sislowski, approach your fab budget are you more of a spend early kind of guy or do you like to do the slow drip as the season progresses? Yeah, so I think that the the key part of this is is there zero dollar bidding allowed, or do you is there a minimum of one dollar bid? So if there's a minimum of one dollar bid, what I think you need to do is in a hundred dollar, uh, you know, or take ten percent of your budget and just carve it off for the end game, right? Because you need dollar players at the at the end of the season. So just realize that ninety percent of your budget is your spendable budget. In my, if there's no zero dollar bidding, if there's zero dollar bidding around, you can spend like a drunken sailor, no problem, right? And I think that the the early reveal running backs are the ones that show themselves, and I like to go heavy on those guys. Elijah Mitchell would be a great example from last year, mm -hmm. but there's always one that pops in the first couple of weeks. And if there's going to be a wide receiver that pops, it's going to be in the first couple of weeks. It's very rare that like the week seven wide receiver, there'll always be a Khalil Herbert type that pops in week six the backup running back for the bears or week 10 whatever it was but if there is a, a running back that shows themselves in week one i want to 
think about spending half of my budget right away, especially if I'm an RB depleted team, you know, um, that can fail, you know, and you have to be careful. So it's like Benny Snell that has two touchdowns in week one. I'm not spending half of my budget on Benny Snell, right? It just, we already know what he is, but when an unknown player, I'm just trying to think of like an example right here. Um, who would be a, a okay. How about this? If Tyrion, Day, uh, we're, I don't want to talk about the same team there. So who's a team Shane that has a more. Okay. Ha, all right, here we go. David so, Montgomery, David Montgomery. Yeah is on the bears. Everyone likes him as a starter, but what if the snap, what if um, Khalil Herbert has 12 to 14 touches in week one and he has a hundred yards in the touchdown and Montgomery has like eight carries for like 60 yards. Now you got to start thinking about spending a quarter to 35 to 40% of your budget on a running back that could have a lion share. Those guys don't come often. Now there's a side of that says, Hey, that's just going to be a 50, 50 share. But you asked how I do it is if there's mm -hmm. someone that reveals themselves early as a, probably a seventh round, like he would have been a seventh round pick. I want to spend money on that guy. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that the reason we do all this work at the start of the season is that if there's players that are kind of in the back of your head, like, so the guy that I initially thought of was Demir white, who's on, on the Raiders backing up Josh Jacobs. So there's been a lot of questions, discussions about Josh Jacobs and his usage this season. Some people say, well, you know, Josh McDaniels doesn't want to use them. Other people are saying, well, it's his last year as a Raider, so you might as well run your wheels off, right? So there's two different approaches. But if Zamir White comes in and it's a 50-50 opportunity share, we like Zamir White's profile. We saw what he did in college in Georgia, and that's the player you want to attack. Now, Jeff, this is actually a similar approach. I like to save a little bit of money as well down weeks 13, 14, 15. And that's why it was so important that Al said, make sure you know your league rules. Are you allowed $0 bids? Are you allowed – does it have to be a $1 bid? Personally – I think leagues that don't allow $0 bids are stupid. I'm going to say it. Yep. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. I agree with you. Can I, can I answer? Because it's a, it's a very good counterpoint. So for, the, sure. for people listening on the audio podcast, we had a commenter on the live stream ask uh, that, or say that they like to save some money for the weeks 13 through the end. Now, first of all, you may not even be in it at week 13, right? So True. don't worry about saving, right? It's, there's, it's not like a – that would be my advice. Now, I know a lot of people – like doing that strategy. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong because sometimes when the, the, the when the uh, Amon Ross St. Brown or the Rashad Penny show themselves at the end, I don't have any money and I don't get them. And that could have cost me a league last year. So mm -hmm. there is merit to that strategy because I just don't know if I'm even going to be in it at that point. What if I'm out of the playoffs? And I, I didn't, and I missed out on Elijah Mitchell. I'd rather know. I take the season in three steps. There's the first four weeks, the second four weeks, and then the, the home stretch. So I want to make sure I'm getting to the next step. That's why when, you know, when you hear about these best ball players that correlating week 17 and this, that, like I get it, but like, dude, you yeah. got to get there, man. You got to get yeah. there. So yes. Uh, and all the other thing is try to see who could be the big pickup next week and get them for $0 in the current week. That's how you counter the, uh, the, the not saving any money for the end. I think we, yeah, we put a bow on that. Yeah, we definitely do. And, and let's go out. I mean, so one of our commenters, Jeff Keys, is talking about getting the auction style waiver. Honestly, it will change how you play fantasy football. It's that important of a rule change to get the fab dollars versus just whoever has priority. It's just it's it's it adds such a different dynamic to the game. Um, and, and the other thing you need to think about about spending your money early is that if you think about the ROI, your return on investment. The sooner you buy this player and the sooner they're just scoring fantasy points for you for, say, 10, 11 weeks of the season versus just one or two weeks at the end of the season, 
that's going to be more valuable for your team. And I mean, listen, the truth in life is like anything. It's kind of a balanced approach. You can't go spend a hundred dollars, a hundred percent of your budget in week one, because listen, one week, very small sample size. Are you really going to blow up your entire off season analysis based off of one game? And now sometimes Al, you talk about what, what is it? It's the, the value or just the over uh, the amount of it. Like, what it's it's that pitching reference you always use, right? Where oh right, the magnitude of the sample, right? For example, magnitude. yeah, yes. let's say let's say a rookie it's to give the it's not just the size of the sample, it's the magnitude. Let's say a, mm-hmm. a rookie pitcher who's never pitched in baseball before comes in and has a perfect game in his first start. Okay, that's a sample of one, but wait a second, he threw twenty seven strikeouts. Like that, yeah. that's not the same as as you know. Would you? Uh, uh, my colleague Chris Liss always says, would you rather have a player come in and have 200 strikeouts in the year, which is very good in baseball. Or would you rather have a guy that has, you know, uh, 40 strikeouts in his first couple games, right? And the answer is, and then not know what else happens for the rest of the year. It's mm-hmm. the, not always the size of the sample. It's the magnitude when it's above a certain threshold that actually matters. And if a player comes in that we weren't expecting and sitting on the waiver wire and has, you know, uh, 18 touches for 150 yards and three touchdowns. Wait a second here. That could be worth your full budget. Yeah, true that. Um, okay. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier on the season, uh, on the show, but I want to ask you, Al. So you're, I call myself a fanalist, right? At the end of the day, we're still fans of the sport. Who are you? Alan Sozlowski, the man looking back at me right now. Who are you most excited about? Which player are you most excited about? Could it be? Maybe, maybe. Just possibly one of your <laughs> New York Jets players or who are a couple of players you're just excited to see this year as a fan, a fan of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, my, my Homer team is the Jets, but as, and you know, this, this happened before I was doing fantasy content professionally. Like as you become mm-hmm. more and more engulfed in sports betting and in fantasy gaming and especially in higher stakes leagues or, you know, more leagues, you become less of a fan of your team and more a fan of players. Right. And that's, mm-hmm kind of how it is and the guys who I've rostered. I mean, if so, yeah, of course, I always want to see the Jets do well. That never happens. Um, you know, I live in in North Florida, so it's always interesting. You know, I have another bad team of the Jaguars. But if, if you're asking me who are the guys that I want to see um, do well and, you know, you put me on Jalen Hurts pretty early, I, I'm going to be rooting for him. I, I like I like his backstory where he's always fighting, um, you know, upstream. He's always climbing up a hill and he always seems to come out on top. Even now, like we see it in our in our dynasty superflex leagues, where he doesn't get drafted in the top ten picks of the first round because there's some doubt. And in the minute he signs that three year, hundred and plus million dollar extension, then he'll go as a top five player. So I would say you putting me on Hertz makes me um, want to root for him. And specifically, I, I want to see what's going to happen with this the second year uh, quarterback class. They can't all be bad, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know Mac well, Jones hey. and David. <laughs> Yeah, you watch yourself, Mr. Mac Jones. He he's right. looks like he could be a a decent middle range yeah. quarterback, which is kind of what you need in the NFL sometimes. Yeah, I'm also rooting for Justin Fields. I always like Justin Fields. I thought the Jets should have drafted Justin Fields with the second overall pick last year. So, and I'm encouraged from him. And I'm rooting for Tua to be good, even though you know it's like I'm not as I agree with the assessment on him that it hasn't looked good, but I'm rooting for him. So those are the guys I'm rooting for. Tua, I'm rooting for Justin Fields, and I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts to all be good in 2022. What about Trevor Lawrence, man? Do you think he's a real deal? 
so it's funny you say that because he was touted as an elite prospect and mm -hmm. the uh, the pushback that I, I i conveyed on a lot of podcasts was i don't know if he has the ceiling like a peyton manning ceiling he might but I always thought that Trevor Lawrence, the reason why he was the 1-1 was the same reason you draft Jonathan Taylor in your fantasy league at the 1-1, not because you think he's going to be the number one overall player in fantasy, because he's kind of a lock to be a top five player, Jonathan Taylor. I thought Trevor Lawrence's floor was higher than most prospects coming out, and the ceiling mm -hmm. obviously is to be determined. So I, I don't think he can fail. I think it very – like his worst-case scenario, he ends up being like a Derek Carr-level quarterback uh, for – for real football. I mean, you know, their games are different, but that's the level. Like we'll think of him as like the 14th best quarterback in the league for, you know, at least most a part of a decade. And at the, how would you explore? Yeah. How would you define this season as a successful season for, for him then? I would say that he has to take, he's got to show flash plays right in, in every game and put them together consistently. I would say you have to see like, you remember what you, what with Patrick Mahomes, like his, like even the, that week 17, before he was a starter, you saw yeah. some sidearm throws, you saw some escape, you saw him making some crazy reads. I would say we need to see those flashes in back to back to back games. It, the record doesn't matter for Jacksonville, right? It's, yeah. I don't think like in certain quarterbacks, they need to like get their team to the playoffs. Like Jared Goff needs to get his team as close to the playoffs as he can in order to, for that to be a successful season. The Jaguars can go two and whatever again. And if Trevor Lawrence is one of the top 12 passers or top 10 quarterbacks in the league, he needs to perform wow plays consistently uh, for him to be, the record doesn't matter for Trevor Lawrence this year. Yeah. And I think what's so frustrating too is, as I mean, we know that, the Jags went out and they completely revamped, well, partially revamped their wide receiver room, but it's still, they got Christian Kirk. They got the aging veteran Marvin Jones. They got Zay Jones, who on any other team is like a wide receiver five as a wide receiver, probably what, two? It's going to be him and Marvin Jones as a wide receiver two. So I think that if he can show real chemistry with Christian Kirk, similar to what we saw with Jalen Hurts last year with, uh, with Devonta Smith, where Smith probably isn't a one a real true one in the NFL. Christian Kirk probably isn't a real true one. Now, the problem is, is that the Jags say want to go out and get one of those ones next year. It's probably going to have to be in a draft because they've invested so much money in Christian Kirk already. It's going to be tough to pay two wide receivers at elite level money. But I agree with you. I think that the the, the, the book isn't written yet on one Trevor Lawrence. Oh, Last year was probably, it, probably the most dysfunctional, See, at least in my memory. If he's bad again this year, the book still isn't written on him. Like yeah. when you're the number one overall pick, look look how many chances Sam Darnold got before. Like this is the year we're like this is year like five, right? And we're like, yeah. oh okay, it's over. Like when you're the number one pick, that's or, and Sam Darnold was like the three pick. But when you're actually the number one pick, it's not written until year five. I mean, that's what's so great about drafting these guys in in dynasty. Mm -hmm. It's like even if they're bad, if they're top five pick, top ten pick. Like they're going to get two, three, and then number one pick will get four years. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I mean, even like Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, he it's it's back to life, right? But I think that with just with his pedigree, it, the, the story isn't written yet on one Trevor Lawrence. Okay, a couple more questions, Al. Then we're going to get you out of there. Okay, so we're going to pivot away from fantasy football again because everybody loves a geek. So again, going on Twitter, we were talking about some alleged some college stories between you and Kevin and uh, without getting Kevin canceled or yourself canceled, do you have any fun memories of young 
Kevin, the Geek Allen, and Alan Soslowski. Yeah, so everybody knows the geek from DFS Army. He's the, the owner-proprietor. And uh, the only stories I have will probably get him canceled, but I don't think he would mind, you know? So <laughs> we'll start We'll start with that he's, gentle, the one that he's the one that introduced me to hard drugs, you know? Oh, I mean, God. <laughs> some, I, some of my best drunken drug stories are, are with uh, the geek. He was a wild animal in, uh, in college. So, uh, of, of course, I kid, wink, wink, don't kid. But no, no, he was... He was one. He was always the guy in in college where I was one of one of his roommates. That was let's get this party started. Guy. He was the wild man and uh, always fun, always friendly. Everyone loved Kevin in college. He was uh, and and uh, women loved uh, Kevin. Guys loved him. Uh, and he was always yeah. like he was a get the party started guy. And the thing about it that uh, the geek that I always admired was he was one of the hardest partiers in college. But the guy. Did, Barely did any studying, and he got all A's. He's so freaking smart. He can memorize. He, like College was a joke to him. He walked through it, and I think he's close to a 4.0 grade point average. And wow. the guy barely did any work. Um, you know, Maybe he did. I wasn't looking, but he partied hard and dominated school. That's, I mean, that's why he has a, a successful business. That's true. Yeah, I get the feeling where like on a Tuesday night, you're going to be in your dorm room, probably sitting there studying. You got all your your textbooks out and then Kev walks in with a two six of like the cheap ass, like $13 bottle of vodka and say, all right, Al, let's go. Let's get up yep. to the campus bar and get out of here. And then the next morning you're struggling, your head hurts. You're like, you're struggling to get into class. You show up like Kevin's just sitting there in class. Smile on his face, coffee going. He's like, "Here, Al, I got you coffee." I, I, that's it's it's that's like you thing. were there, Shane. It's like you were there. Yeah. And I'm actually going to see him in a couple of weeks. I'm heading back to New York, so we're going to uh, we're gonna. I haven't seen him in years in person, so we're gonna get a steak together. Beautiful. Okay, I got two more questions for you, Al, and these yeah. are important ones. Okay. And by the what way, that you? is not he did introduce me to hard drugs. By the way, he is the first one to put them in front of my face, and I thank him for it because it was a great Where's experience. Yeah, we're just not going to talk about what the hard drugs are because no, that's why. I, that's why I said different levels. Yeah, that's why we'll I said we we'll weren't shooting okay. needles. Don't worry. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I hope not. Okay, what is the number one piece of advice that you, Alan Sozlowski, can give to our viewers walking into the 2022 fantasy football season? Don't screw up your draft. No, I was kidding. Uh, it's yeah. Just just take the players you want. Uh, keep in mind ADP. Don't get too cute with the ADP game. And this is your team. You take the advice of all the fantasy analysts you trust, and then make your own decision. If you want to outsource your decision to someone else, sure, you could do that. But you will be a lot better. You will get better making the decisions yourself. Take in all the information. Think about it like this: like when you vote for a, a politician, you take in all the information, you filter out what you think is BS, and then you go pull the proverbial lever, right? You decide which one. No one comes in there and says, hey, go vote for this guy. I'm going to pull the lever for this side or that side. It's the same thing with anything in life. You only get better through making mistakes. All the best players in your league are going to make mistakes. Just try to make one less mistake than all of them. The guy, Lindy, who won the NFFC baseball two years in a row, and I think in one year he may have won the NFFC baseball and the football back-to-back, -back, they asked him, they said, how did you do it? Like, what do you do differently? He goes, I do this. I make all the same mistakes everybody else does. He goes, I just, I don't, like, it's like Tom Brady when he throws an interception. He doesn't care. He's mm. let's go next play. If you drop a player that you shouldn't have dropped, someone else picks them up, move on next play. It happens all the time. If you start someone you shouldn't have, you will get better. So make one less mistake than everyone else and don't get caught up in your mistakes. Yeah. And, and realize that 
sometimes this mistake isn't as devastating as you might think. Like when you drop Danny Gray for some third string <laughs> tight end, listen, oh, it's, still, it's still just Danny Gray, right? Like we're not talking about Stefan Diggs here. So understand that your mistake probably isn't as big as you might think it was. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. No. And again, I'm, and I'm going to make, and you're going to make those mistakes in another yeah. league. Just to give example, uh, years ago, I traded uh, for Juju Smith-Schuster thinking he was the one, one in dynasty. And I mm -hmm. gave away, which was, you would laugh. I gave away, it ended up being the draft picks of Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon. I mean, I gave away for, for Juju Smith-Schuster and it was a complete fail, but I thought I was trading for Justin Jefferson, right? <laughs> more or less. Yeah. So it yeah. does happen. And in a dynasty league, it's more devastating. So just, just be careful. Sometimes the best trades you make are the ones that you don't make. Oh, dude, there's definitely, and, and all the bad trades I remember. No, I don't remember my good ones. I just remember my bad ones. That's just, that's how, you, that's life, man. That's how you remember. Okay. Last question before we get you out of here, Al. Crystal ball. Alan Soslowski. By, by the be? way, hold on. Yes. Before you ask that, um, yeah. uh, there's a comment in the YouTube that says, cocky Alan always thinks he's better. I, I would, I, what message am I giving out there? I actually always, that is the opposite. I'm sorry. I, I never, you know, I, do I, is that the, do I, am I coming off as like a know-it-all? I think the opposite, like my whole brand is built on that. I don't know shit. <laughs> no, that's just clipboard jesus trying to ruffle your feathers oh my god i, I never get job of it i never get rattled by the comments but i've spent my whole life like really telling people like i don't know the answers i'm just asking the questions that i want to know as a fan of fantasy football so anyway i just thought i would address that i honestly think some of the wisest people and i, I think if you like al like we're we're similar age, but I still kind of think of you as like uncle says, that's why I joke. Like to me, you're like the wise uncle like, that'll come to like brothers, like brothers, man. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not just fantasy advice, life advice we talk yeah. about, right? Like you're just a wise person. And I give Shane sex advice, everything. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. But yeah, man, I mean, listen, it's the wisest people in the world understand that there's more that they don't know than that they know. And what you try to do is you try to surround yourself by people who have different skill sets than you do. And that's, that's, that's with, Fantasy there football advice as well. Listen to the DFS Army show. Listen to me. Listen to, to Kevin because Kevin's got some completely different takes than what I have and vice versa, right? And, and maybe one of us is going to be wrong. The other one's going to be right. Maybe we're both going to be right. Same with Alan. Like, go to the Rotowire show. Listen to listen to Alan. Listen to Jim Coventry. Uh, listen, to, listen to Jeff Erickson. Listen to the football diehards. Like, listen to all these different source materials because that's what's going to make you a stronger fantasy football player and be go. humble at the end of the day be humble don't be like al don't be cocky just kidding just kidding okay <laughs> al last question before i get you out of here 2023 who's going to be on the cover of the rotowire magazine it's so obvious to me again i i don't have any say who's on the cover the, the question really what you're asking is who's going to be the next young star that's dominating fantasy football and the one one is justin jefferson next year there you go Go get him, ladies. It's and so obvious, right? I mean, wide receiver eight in in his rookie year, wide receiver four last year, most mm -hmm. yards of any receiver in the first two years of his career. Offense upgraded to a pass friendly. We all like Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. I, I think that he is going to be this year's Cooper Cup. And meanwhile, obviously, this year's Cooper Cup is someone you take in the fourth round, but he's going to be the guy that dominates fantasy football from always. And I think he's going to be the the Antonio Brown wide receiver, the one where you're just like, I'm not taking a running back at one one next year. I'm taking the guy who got you know 1600 yards and 15 touchdowns on 110 catches, something like that, you know. And he's going to be in that conversation for the next five years. That's that's the best part about these. We these could all be dead receivers. in five years, Shane. We can all be dead in five years. Let's just worry about next year. All right, let's just worry about next year. All right, Al, thanks for jumping on the show. Of course, you can follow Alan 
at Alan Seslowski, A-L-A-N-S-E-S-L-O-W-Sky. Seslo Sky. There you go. Of course, it's content over at rotowire.com. Do you guys still have that rotowire.com forward slash try for two free days? Yeah, if you want to, here you go. Here's the quick plug. Uh, I, I'm a big advocate of getting as many draft um, cheat sheets or draft kits as you can and in season. Not only should you... Uh, you know, be buying the DFS army and supporting them because you love DFS army. But I think you should try to sample two or three uh, content sources a year. At least that's what I do. And our, our in-season content at RotoWire is great. And you can see it for free. There's no obligation. Two days, two days, you can unlock the paywall. You don't have to put in your credit card. You just put in your email and it unlocks. And then in two days, it just shuts down. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to cancel anything. You don't get any annoying, uh, like, you know, phone conversations. So you go to rotowire.com forward slash try paywall unlocks for two days with your email. There you go. And of course, if you're listening to this show, please like, please subscribe, please comment. We love the comments. We will come back and we will comment on your comments. And this is a channel we're trying to grow. Of course, there's the, the flagship DFS Army, which is primarily focused on DFS DFS sports. But we're trying to grow this fantasy football show. So please um, tell your friends and keep watching. So thank you so much, Al, for jumping on the program. For Al, I'm Flex Shane, and we are, of course, the DFS Army Fantasy Football Show. <laughs> 